Hello and welcome to New Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gathered here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's getting ready for this holiday season. I got big news. People who are uh, signed up at the Patreon know this already because they got early access to the tickets last week. But uh, we're coming back live, baby. Our second ever live show, Asbury Park, House of Independence. It's the night after Christmas, December 26th. Flee your family. Here's what we're hoping. We're hoping you hang out with your family on Christmas. Maybe those of you still in Jersey, you're hanging out here. Maybe some of you guys who are listening who are Jersey expats, you come back. You hang out, you hang out with your family for the holiday. You come hang out with us the 26th once you've had too much family you come flee your family get yourself down to good old asbury park house of independence we'll all be there doing a lot of stupid stuff it's going to be a really fun show really fun show and you can get tickets at houseofindependence.com and like i said remember if you want info on uh on our live shows you want early access to those tickets patreon.com slash new jersey is the world Patrons got that. They got videos of uh, Don's Food Stops. They got a deep dive episode on Lower Township in Cape May County where we uh, we unearthed, in the course of the episode, we unearthed a song that is one of the more bizarre songs to come out of New Jersey. We were able to explore that. And then we, of course, had uh, South Jersey is also the world drop on Patreon this month where Andrea filled us in on uh, a Camden, kind of a, a mirror episode to our Nork episode where we talk about Camden. But Cam- Andrea filtered it through the lens of uh, being a student and teacher at Rutgers Camden and academia and and how you can kind of see how Camden is treated based on the disparities between the Rutgers campuses. It was nerdy and thoughtful and cool and fun, just like this week's episode that you're about to hear. New Jersey guilty pleasures. We all know there's a lot of things in this state that people say are gross, or too much, or tacky, or whatever. But we all know deep down there's a lot of them that. They exist because we like them. We enjoy them. There are guilty pleasures. This episode, we go over all of our New Jersey guilty pleasures. I can't wait to hear about your New Jersey guilty pleasures. Let us know. 973-780-4660 for the voicemail. Over at Patreon in the discussion thread if you want to drop comments. Can't wait to see what you guys have to say. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you go pick up some tickets. House of Independence, 1226, live edition. New Jersey is the world. I'm also doing stand-up at uh, Crossroads in Garwood uh, night after Thanksgiving, but I'm not here to plug my own stuff, even though I just did. Anyway, okay, enjoy this one. Talk to you soon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Town, a podcast where we talk about what it was like growing up in West Orange, New Jersey, amongst three friends who use this as an excuse to touch base with each other and stay sane and have adult conversations under the guise of a creative project and or work when it's really just catching up with our friends and you get to listen to it. Hello, Mike D. How are you? I'm great, Chris. I'm in a chipper mood this evening. And Bonaduce, how you feeling? Where are we at on the Bonaduce scale tonight? The Bonaduce scale is it's Monday. I just got back from a week of being on vacation. I'm trying to ease myself back into it. I just realized how much I fucking hate working and really need to hit the fucking lottery or start selling meat on a stick. So that's that's where I'm at. But no, I'm in a good place. The weather's nice and, uh, you know, I'm still alive. Tonight, we're talking about something very, very interesting. This was a uh, Mike D idea. The guilty pleasures of New Jersey. Now, here's what I love about this idea. As soon as you, as soon as you brought it up, Mike, I said I see exactly what that is because we all know 
People talk about New Jersey, and we've long uh, on this podcast from day one said people like to make fun of us. You know, people like to laugh about this place. And every real New Jerseyan goes, yeah, like we know all that stuff is true, but also there's so much more to it than that. And I sort of feel like by us talking about the guilty pleasures that we partake in, things that you're not supposed to like, but let's admit it, deep down you do, it's effectively us saying, yeah, all that stuff that we go, yeah, no, it's true, but it's not just that. This is an episode kind of celebrating the stuff that we know we're not supposed to be into. That That is the stuff that maybe is a little worth throwing shade at or making fun of. And there's a hell of a lot of it. I don't. I need an example because I don't know what's appropriate and what's not anymore. So, Well, as everybody who listens to the show uh, knows, generally what will happen is Mike and I will work on an outline. Nick, I assume you don't even know where to find it. I'm not, I'm not allowed to be... Do you know how to locate the outlines if you did ever need them? I think I have it like in an old email somewhere, yeah. I, I, there, we will find... I want to do something where we force you to actually open an outline and see if you even can access them. Uh, Mike D. If it's on Dropbox, I'm going to have a hard time. But other than that... The very first thing listed on the outline, you put it there. I immediately said yes. There's a crown jewel place in New Jersey where we all know this place is what it is. And as a, as a, as a forward thinking person, <laughs> as the father of a young child, as a person with any sense of self-respect, I shouldn't love hanging out in this place as much as I do. But I must admit, every time I go there, I am giddy and I have fun. It is, of course, Atlantic City, baby. Ugh. Now, Nick, that reaction, explain it. <laughs> partially me uh, chugging ruby red grapefruit juice and um, flashing back at the same time <clears throat> yeah no I think you know what the problem is I've, uh, I've been there a lot and it always seems to be under the same circumstances and I love this I don't know it's Atlantic City you know what I mean I know what you mean <laughs> when the, you say this it's the same. east coast Vegas like I don't know it's not though what happens in AC it's not doesn't always stay in AC <laughs> It's not the East Coast Vegas. We can pretend it is. That place is. I mean, it's like the East Coast most Eisley Cantina at this point. What is going on in AC? That place is burnt out. It's a symbol of corruption. It's a symbol of just capitalism at its worst, worst cannibalizing the local population and all their opportunities. And yet, goddamn, do I love Atlantic City. It's the worst place I've ever been, and goddamn, do I love it, Mike D. What do you like? What do you like about Atlantic City? I think I'll start with the fact that they have an operating Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> now, to me, I you know I love Ripley's Believe It or Not, but it hasn't really existed as an entity in my mind in 30 years <laughs> since we watched that television show when we were very very young kids. And I think the fact believe that it you or not you could, believe it. Or not. or not. That you can go to Atlantic City right now. We could all jump in the car and drive down there and in less than two hours be inside and operating Ripley's Believe It or Not. I think that sets the tone perfectly for Atlantic City. Like that the they are trading off the very bad nostalgia of decades past. I have a picture of me with a lady who used to be able to get her eyes to pop out of her head. Ooh. Out on the boardwalk? Like on the boardwalk, yeah. They have like people bucks. walking around 
No, no, they're just like standing there, like to try and like draw you into going into the museum itself. Oh, into Ripley specifically. Yeah, yeah, and the, like they have people walking around, and the one one lady, like she's famous, she's been on like a million things where she um, makes her eyes like pop out of her head, kind of like so they're like Wurr! like and I have a picture of me standing next to her. Like there's Fat Nick and uh, and the lady who makes her eyes pop. out. I gotta find. It. I think it's on Facebook even. They uh, they call yeah, it the Bally, the Bally who. That's luring people into a sideshow. Yeah. It's an art it's an art form. Yeah, so they do that out front. See now I was confused. I thought you just saw someone who could do that because Atlantic City also has some legendary <laughs> just like buskers. There was a, a woman who passed away who was legendary who had, if I remember right, no arms or legs and used to play a keyboard with her mouth out on the boardwalk for money. And she was just legendary. And you sit here, you go, Man, this is like P. T. Barnum like you know the phrase freak show you look back on those you go man what a warped thing and then you go you see some places that have like modern versions of them where it's a person with like tons of tattoos or like the person who like handles snakes where you're like those are choices a person made. atlantic city was a place where it was like no go you go like you go busk on the street and still live that life up until i mean she she died what maybe a decade ago it's a. This is a. It is a strange, dark. Oh yeah. Place. It's yeah. a strange, dark place. I got my. The last time I was there, actually, I'm gonna name drop, and I never really name drop because I don't. For someone who works in the field, I do. I don't really hang out with um, too many people in entertainment. But Hollywood Gethard's coming. Hollywood Gethard, big time. So, a few years back, I was doing uh, my show, uh, Career Suicide, off Broadway. Some people out there maybe saw it on HBO, but it. It. it I did a pretty lengthy off-Broadway run um, in 2016, fall and winter of 2016. So one person who I've encountered from time to time, who I can say is one of the sweetest, most genuine people, thoughtful, exactly what you hope he is, like not a Hollywood fake in any fucking way. Actually probably would be like honorary New Jersey in many ways, as I've gotten to know him. Only having hung out with him like probably half a dozen times tops is Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah came to the show. He and I have a really, really tight mutual friend, and I've done a few things with him over the years in terms of comedy, but him and my uh, friend Antonio, who's a filmmaker, they came to the show together. We got dinner afterwards, and Michael was living in New York, and he told me, hey, I used to be in a poker game with a bunch of comedians in L.A. Do you know if there's any uh, you know, if there's any like things like that in the New York scene? I go, oh, I know there used to be one, but I think it just shut down. I never was a poker player, but I, I knew some friends in it. They were all like, also saying uh, bummer our poker our weekly weekly poker game shut down but i was like you know now that you're uh now that you're in new york you know atlantic city's only a few hours away and it was a sunday and this was before my son was born and hallie was out of town and he's like how long is the drive i was like i don't know, i think like probably like between two and three hours you know like he's like is that with traffic or without i'm like that would be like this time of night like nighttime on a sunday uh, probably with traffic, it can be a real pain in the ass. He was, turns to his uh, his girlfriend who was there with, he's like, I think I might want to just go to Atlantic City right now. And she was like, yeah, all right, have fun. And I was like, my wife's out of town and I have tomorrow <laughs> off. Like that's in theater. Anybody who knows theater knows you have Mondays off generally. I had just done this long week of shows talking about fucking trying to kill myself back in the early 2000s and stuff. I was like, fuck it, let's go. So texted Hallie. I was like taking a last minute trip. So we leave. We got to Atlantic City at like one or two in the morning, Sunday night in the winter, check in. 
playing some of the table games. He heads to the poker room. Another buddy of mine who's like, um, I wouldn't say he's a professional poker player, but he like supplements his income. I texted him and like, hey, we're going to be down there. He lives, you know, Ocean County somewhere. He came and met us. And uh, me and Michael got a room and we were playing. And this was the fucking saddest shit. This is the most Atlantic City shit you could ever possibly imagine. We're in this poker room. And there's this guy who's clearly been there for hours. There's like food wrappers and shit on the ground underneath him. He's got like his coat off and flung on the floor in one direction. And then like his gloves are on the floor, like one over there, one over there. Like He's just a fucking mess, you know? He's been playing for hours. And they told this guy like, hey, you got to clean up all your shit. And he fucking lost his mind. It's like th- at this point, it's probably like 3.30 in the morning, Sunday into Monday, Atlantic City Poker Room. And he just starts yelling and screaming and standing up and they call on security. Security comes in and he's like trying to grab all the shit off the floor and he just starts yelling, God will smite you. God will smite you. And uh, Michael... He like blew the whole church's fucking bank account in there. It, oh yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. That was the collection money from that Sunday. Um but yeah, Mike, I, Michael just turned to me. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not Vegas, buddy. Like, it's, just, it's not Vegas. This is a place where you go on a Sunday night in the winter and watch someone lose their mind and start screaming about God. That's Atlantic City. I'd add that to what makes that story, very, how you can tell that that's happening in Atlantic City in New Jersey is if you were gambling in Vegas or any other casino and you've been at a poker table playing and gambling for hours and hours, the casino would be happy to clean up your garbage for you. But in New Jersey, they expect you to police your own garbage that you throw on the floor. My assumption is this guy was running low on funds and the jig was up (laughs) and the party was over and they said, we took all we could take. Let's cast this man out onto the boardwalk in the bitter, in the bitter winter chill. You're out of comps, buddy. Yeah. I worked, uh, here's a funny AC poker story, and this is even more strange. Um, I worked with this old Swede guy. He was like old school surveyor. So I start working with him. He's like, I said, why didn't you retire? He's like, oh, I did retire. I was like, how long ago? He's like, oh, about a year ago, but I had to come back to work. I was like, oh, it's terrible. He comes back. He's working for cash. So we develop a pretty good friendship. And, uh, and he starts telling me a story. He basically, he played pie gal poker. Uh, which is like a real Asian like version of poker, and like people come to Atlantic City, and it's like people come there wearing like gold inlet inlet like um, necklaces, and they take pieces off and like cash them in. It's like crazy, crazy shit. So he goes down there. He winds up staying in AC for six months. <laughs> what? Six months, right? I and think he's you just say days. No, six months. He's down there, blows his, his entire fucking annuity. Anyway, he can cash out his pension and is like dead broke and tells me he had this old Chevy pickup truck with like rotted floors. He's like, yeah, and I had to run the fucking tolls on the way back. <laughs> like he like uh, reverse mortgaged his house and he was down there like he fucking lost his mind. But the whole time he's down there, he's like going, he's like every night, Nikki, he's like, I'm eating lobsters. He's like, I'm flying on a helicopter one night to New York City with these Chinese guys. And it's this whole fucking thing. But yeah, at every... <laughs> Every story about I don't in my personal experiences, but I've gone there for like a concert and you have a good time, but it always ends in chaos in one way or another. But it's usually this is if your story doesn't end in prostitution, cocaine, vomiting all over yourself, or I don't know, 
being found sleeping in a hallway somewhere. I don't know. It's not an AC experience. Or doing 1,200 whippets in one night. <laughs> Mike D, any AC experiences jump out at you? I feel like, you know, because I, I don't really gamble. It, like, it has no appeal to me. Um, all my AC stories are mostly observing you guys, my friends, behave in, in, in Atlantic City. Um, and then going to, to Ripley's, believe it or not. And I also think I might be one of the only people in the world who's going to Atlantic City in a couple of weeks to run a marathon, which I find hilarious, which Healthy. seems like the most, oh, let me know when I'll come down. the most un-Atlantic City thing ever. I'm gonna get an electric scooter and follow you the whole time. I um, have oh, I've been open with people like and, and you guys are two of the few people left who saw it in action. Like when I used to drink, I used to drink, and when I anytime I've ever gone too far in a direction, I go too far. Like if if the door is open, and I will say casinos, I have to be real careful, man, because I get it. I get how you can lose a lot of money there fast. It brings it out of me. Um, I. I I, I love a good table game. I, I a couple others. I think I've been to it. Let me see. Only four or five times. It was like the last iconic Jersey thing I really checked off the list. I went there for my buddy's bachelor party. My buddy Murph and I know Murph well enough, and he's open enough that he will not um, be mad about me sharing this. Dude, Murph goes hard. And do you guys know about Hunter S. Thompson's Breakfast of Champions? I am unfamiliar with this. Do you know about this? I think I've heard of it. Um... This fucking guy had friends who tried to do this thing that Hunter S. Thompson wanted to do where his he wrote an essay called The Breakfast of Champions. I'm looking for a breakdown of it now. Where within 24 hours you try to have... Let me see what it was. He said anybody with a terminally jangled lifestyle needs at least one psychic anchor every 24 hours. Four Bloody Marys, two grapefruits, an entire pot of coffee, Rangoon crepes, a half pound of sausage, bacon, or corned beef hash with diced chilies, a Spanish omelet or eggs benedict, a quart of milk, a chopped lemon, a slice of key lime pie, two margaritas, and six lines of good cocaine. That's what you do for your breakfast. And I was in a room with motherfuckers trying to pull this off, and then we went and fucking rampaged around Atlantic City, and we went to oh, this God. strip club. I think it's called Bear Essentials. Who knows if it survived COVID, man, out there praying for the small business owners. Uh, but it's like a BYOB place, so it's fully nude. But they have a fucking aluminum storm door in the strip club, and you just open it, and there's a liquor store next door, and you can just open this aluminum door, take like, a, I don't even know if you have to take a step in, and you can just buy from the liquor store by just opening a door in the strip club. Very, very Skivot's place. And we told a couple of the strippers that it was Murph's bachelor party. And they were like, oh, you want us to give him the bachelor party special? And we were like, yeah. We paid him a bunch of money. They brought him up on stage. They fucking... This is where Atlantic City goes far, man. They fucking... You know, it starts out where they're like grinding on him and slapping him around a little bit and fucking this and that. And they see how drunk he is. These women fucking rip his shirt off. They reach into his pants and give him a wedgie so hard that they are holding his underwear. They've removed his underwear from his body just by through violence. That's awesome. Atomic. Atomic wedgie. And then they took his belt off and fucking <laughs> beat him with it. 
Like, beat him with it like they fuck it. Like, like they found him stealing from the apothecary in a Wild West town. Like, I thought he was going to get, like, broom handled or something. Dude, like, beat. Like, like we were, like, pay, we paid these. We were watching these naked women. Like, we were like, oh, this will be, like, a funny bachelor party. Thing. And then we watched these women just, like, like, beat my friend to a level that anyone in their right mind would say, arrest those people. AC man. That's an extremely guilty pleasure then. It was bad, but it was awesome. Okay, Mike D, you have listed Jersey City as one of your guilty pleasures. Talk to me about this because Jersey City, great town. I know that you uh, have great affinity for your time spent there. So why do you uh, list this as a guilty pleasure? You know, I think much like Atlantic City, I think the, the way in my mind that I think of a New Jersey guilty pleasure is... I'm like, oh, I love Atlantic City. I love Jersey City. And then someone, you know, a friend, somebody you work with is from out of town. And you're like, oh, you should go check out Jersey City. You should go check out Atlantic City. And you send them there and they go. And the next time you see them, they don't ever want to speak to you again. I think that's the measure. And I think Jersey City is is very much like that, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's great. I love going there. My entire family is from there, but it's built on a toxic waste dump. Everything good in Jersey City is spaced apart with other things that are dangerous and scary. And, you know, it's also one of those places where you can go there and have a good time, but if you have too good of a time, you will end up tied to an inflatable raft off a dock in the Hudson River while someone whips you with a car antenna. Like, that's a, you know, a real right. thing that will happen, which is why I think You're it's a lucky. guilty pleasure. You, you, you love Jersey City, but it's dangerous. And some people might be saying, Mike T, that specific you just brought up about the raft, that's a very, very specific thing to just improvise off the top of your head. Now, I'm not going to out anybody, but I happen to know that's a real thing that has happened at least once in life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fine to discuss this. My father has passed on to the great beyond. But, uh, you know, when he was in, in, lived in Jersey City and was part of various gangs in the, in the 60s, if you crossed his gang, which were known as the Hamiltons, the very specific punishment they gave you was they would take your clothes, clothing off, tie you to an inflatable raft, tie that to a dock off the Hudson River there, let you get sunburned, pull you back in, and then whip you with car antennas, which to me seems like an extremely involved punishment because it takes like an entire day to execute on this, but it's very well thought out when you, when you, when you examine it. And sometimes you, get, sometimes you could get somebody tied to the raft by buying them shots and making them think you're their best friend for the night, and then they pass out, and they wake up in the middle of a fucking river naked. <laughs> Sunburned. Now... It's funny because I was just in Jersey City last week and I cannot claim to have the most Jersey City knowledge, although I've spent a fair amount of time there over the years. But that's because when we were growing up, it was a no man's land. You were told that was a tough town and there's no need for you to go there. Of course, now, um, I think Grove Street in particular has become like a very, very renowned hotspot and then i think a lot of the path train areas i even hear that journal square is like starting to get cleaned up and a lot safer though that was like a place that we all know was like known to be uh you gotta watch your step over there mike d you both lived there and your family roots are there it does seem to me like when i saw um that the you know the new york times said they wrote up the, the best pizza in new york they actually said the best pizza in new york is actually at raza in jersey city 
I still have this fear. As someone who grew up here, I'm going, I know that this is an overboard reaction for me. There's still a part of me going, don't just send a bunch of people to fucking Jersey City. Because if you don't know, Jersey City is still a place where you could turn down the wrong block and you could wind up in real trouble, man. I think you could end up in real trouble, but I also think geographically, you can go from, you know, a one of the super nice, well-lit, well-populated, redeveloped areas... And in two blocks, find yourself in an industrial wasteland where, you know, it's nothing but eyes, people eyeing you up to see what kind of watch you're wearing. Like, that's definitely Jersey City. I'm shocked at your guys, uh, you guys having no faith in humanity and the kindness of strangers. Excuse me, who are you, sir? I'm just saying, the guys that are like, you know, the nicest guys I know are saying like, you can go to Jersey City and somebody bad's going to get you. And I'm saying, hey, listen, I work all over the place in all different kinds of situations. And like, I, I honestly try to go in with a positive attitude wherever I am. But yeah, if you don't know any better, it's a different scene. But you have to have a little faith in, and I don't know, human kindness still existing out there. And I've seen some very nice acts of kindness in places where I didn't think I would. And I've also been shot at in Jersey City. So you've been shot at with a gun? <laughs> I don't know. Shanna Parkway. We were, we were this is so crazy. So we get sent out to this project, and I go out there, and it is like, it is crazy. It's crazy. There's just it's there's people rolling in the street. And I was like, I had to set up this equipment, and I had this kid with me. I was like, no experience. He's freaking out. Uh, besides getting like asked for money and stuff like that people are like trying to like actively like break into our work truck and we're five feet away from it so it's like pretty crazy but like as we're like traversing around this block and i have to like go around the whole block because i have to go around the block i just have to find the certain evidence and this is the only way i can do it so like in the process of doing that we like are attracting a crowd and everybody is around us yelling five oh five oh blah 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 they're taking pictures so this whole thing i'm like oh my god i was like because you're a, for anybody who hasn't listened before yeah oh i'm sorry you are a surveyor so you're often out there with equipment yeah. that looks like photographic equipment like high end yeah and like- a lot of times you're going into areas like jersey city that have been developing rapidly in places that you would never have gone before and now they're like building mid-rises and high-rises and Whatever else, it's along like the light rail, it's going to be developed. And those areas are like, that's where all the gentrification has like pushed everyone. And historically in Jersey City, they were always like crime ridden areas too. But, you know, like it is, like you're right. Like I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But I do have some faith if they're sitting to like a pizza place, you know, maybe people are like, hey, it's right down the block. Like, you know. I have to say, I love that. Um, that started with you saying, Mike and I have no faith in people. And then within four sentences, you talked about how someone shot at you with a gun and people tried to break no, into your car just, while you were within arm's length. I know, but that's just kind of... I feel like you may know, have proven have to accept, me right on I that. I know you're right. I know. No, I, listen, uh, listen, I am, you know, it's don't look ground. down dark alleys. I get all that. Don't. It's a know. middle ground. Listen to this, though. Let me say this. Jersey City's fucking awesome and cool. It's one of those things that when you grow up in North Jersey... You hear, we heard so much about it being dangerous as kids. So it's a middle ground, right? Which is A, those of us who grew up here got to chill out and not treat it like it's 1985 anymore and understand that this growth is a positive thing. And also, maybe people should know that they need to really have their directions nailed down and it can't just be. This is not just like a playland for rich people to come get good pizza. It is New Jersey. It is 
a town in New Jersey historically that takes no shit from anybody. So there's the middle ground. Let's settle there. It's also home to one of the greatest guilty pleasure foods in New Jersey that was invented by one of our friends. Uh, a sandwich which was named the Fat Cal, where one of our friends who is Jewish decided that he was going to go out and create the most unkosher sandwich possible. And oh, wow. there was a deli that we would go to all the time, and, and they got to know us, and he created this sandwich, and it was pastrami, <laughs> salami, Swiss cheese, and then like a smear of fake, um, like fake crab cake. Like that, like fake crab oh, that they have, like imitation crab, all, yeah. all on one sandwich. So pastrami, salami, Ugh. cheese, fake crab spread. Maybe if it's fake crab, it's okay. It's kosher. Speaking of food, one of my great guilty pleasures in New Jersey, and I know I'm not supposed to like this place. I know this is not good food. As someone in entertainment, I know that this is a very, very strange thing for it to have existed as long as it has. But if anybody ever invites me to Medieval Times, I am going and I am loving it. That is a great guilty pleasure of New Jersey right there. That place sounds insane and like we should all make fun of it. But sign me the fuck up, boys. When are we going? I mean, how can you not have a good time there? I've been there fairly recently and I had a ball. I mean... Those nights, man, they those Jersey nights, they put in their they put in some hard work to make that show Dude, good. Think about it. I should take the kids there. Yeah, it's great. Dude, you haven't? No. Oh, They're eight my. and twelve, so it's like perfect. Probably just as like the last chance I can get them both there. Dude, it is so fucking cheesy and weird. And like they still like I, I remember when we were kids, man. Do you remember they used to tell you the waitresses used to come up and be like, Hi, I'm your wench. We're the wenches. I'm your wench for the night. They weren't waitresses. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Even when I was a kid in like 1991, I'm 11 years old. I'm like, I can't call this woman a wench. I don't feel good about it. And then you see people like three rows over, like some dude decked out in jet gear being like, yo, wench, I'm out of Sprite. Get me, get me more Sprite, wench. For like trying to make his own children laugh at degrading a woman. Like that's what this place. I wonder if they still do that. Mike, do they still do that? They don't. Last time I was there, they cooled it a little bit. Yeah, they, there, there was no. Oh, handmaiden. Oh, handmaiden. Yeah, there was no wench, wench calling when I was there. And I, and I think as a nod. Thy goblet is empty. As a nod. They've actually. When I went recently, there was no longer a king. The actual thing was led by the queen. Mm-hmm. So I think there's maybe there's been a takeover. Now I'm actually going to offer some spoilers to the story. So if anybody here is planning on going or wants to go and doesn't want the spoilers for the evening of entertainment, fast forward now. Uh, but I'll tell you, I went recently too. I've been at least twice in the past five years, and I'm I, like I'm telling you, I would eat there as if it was like my neighborhood spot down the block. It's great i'm cheering for my night man and they had switched the story up i didn't know i went with a bunch of people from my tv show and we were all assholes like cheering loud trying to out cheer everybody else and then our night starts saying all this misogynistic stuff to the queen like halfway through the show and it turns out like our team our team is the bad guy and we didn't know and we'd been cheering them hard and really like tormenting the other nights so then we had this moment where I looked at my friend where I'm like, do we start booing our own night for saying the anti-queen stuff? And uh, then we realized, no, this is like pro wrestling and we got to double down. So we started like uh, chanting even harder in support of our night. But then by the end, we were chanting things like, uh, like 
we're so sorry and uh, we support women. It was really, it was weird. They got us real hyped up and then made us have to choose whether they're going to be assholes and keep supporting this guy that was talking down to the queen. Because that's like the whole bit of the show now. It's the guy's like mean to the queen and you're supposed to hate him for it. They also let birds fly around. Yeah, fucking falcons. That's a guilty pleasure, definitely. Falconry? Falconry in the middle of a sand pit in Lindhurst off of Route 3? You know what's a real guilty pleasure is when you go to medieval times and you splash out for like the ultra VIP package, which I'll guiltily admit uh... to. I didn't even know they had that. We got to get go. like your own booth. You don't get your own booth, but you do get to sit in the front row. And at various points during the show, the knights will come and make a fuss over any young people in your party, including giving them swords or flowers. Ooh. Oh, that's awesome. We got to go. We got to go. Maybe just us or maybe even announce the night we're going and anybody in the tri-state oh area get God. a ticket the same night, man. Just oh, take over so that awesome. fucking place. And the food is not good. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of food, let's talk about some food-based guilty pleasures. Maybe we'll return to some of the other ones uh, on the list later. But for now, Nick, there's one that's listed here. Mike delisted it. Um, I think it's very easy for people to conceptualize. There's food in this world that's not healthy. A lot of people might say it's to be avoided. But where we all know that in a quiet moment, you're signing up for that. And now there's one place that I think we've mentioned in passing on this show that I feel like you might love it more than anyone else I've ever known. <laughs> it is the White Rose System, oh, which well. has to be one of the ultimate guilty pleasure foods. But in to the clarify state of New which White Rose this is, it's the one on Woodbridge Avenue. Um, in I guess it's Woodbridge. I'm sorry, Woodbridge Avenue. Um, in Woodbridge, right over the border from Highland Park. And uh, yes, it's like a giant White Castle burger, but better. And um, Oh, it's just so good. Explain. And you get it in like, yeah. you get, like you go in and normally when the system is working the way it's supposed to work. And it's called the White Rose system. It's the White Rose hamburger system. When you walk in, like, and back in the day, you have to understand, like, the thing was that everybody told you that everybody that worked there was like on work release from prison. And everybody wore the typical, like, white outfit, like white shirt, white pants, and paper hat. And it was like a little intimidating when you went in there and you had to like know what you were going to order. And when you order it, you're like, uh, Cali cheese, fries, and a Mountain Dew. And like, by the time you take the money out of your pocket, there's like a hamburger in front of you, fresh fries. It's like steaming hot. It's fucking delicious. And you're just like, oh, and it's open like 24 hours. Or it used to be open 24 hours. I don't know if it is anymore, but it's open till at least like three, four in the morning. Um, oh my God. And like, I think it's closed. Monday. I think they closed for like half a day from Sunday to Monday or something like that. But I'm a big burger guy. Like I like all different kinds of burgers. I'm not like, I like my only eat this kind of burger or whatever. Like I like to try like, like the pizza we eat all over the place. Like I still like that burgers like that all over. And yeah, uh, there's, you know, white man, there's all those different kind of burger places, but I am, I'm a sucker for a good burger place or a unique burger place and a good hot dog stand, which isn't like, I guess a guilty pleasure, but I don't pass up hot dogs. I got a problem. So I just looked it up. It's, uh, it's in, it's actually in Highland park. It's on that side of the border. It is. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was over the border. I thought it was too. Yeah. They're open uh 6am every day. They close most nights now at 11pm. That's crazy. Midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. So they shut it down. I think they tried to open one up on like in downtown New Brunswick and it like didn't do well or something. That's crazy, man. Cause we used to drive over there. Oh my God. That was a death ride. Now, yeah. Nick, how many of these can you put down? N now? 
okay, so let's put this into perspective. It was probably 300 pounds at the time, or between 250 and 300 pounds at the time. And I, when I discovered that the double cheeseburger, that was probably my downfall, but I could have like a regular double cheeseburger and like an order of fries and like halfway through fries would be like, ah, I'm going to get another double cheeseburger. Like, oh, two double cheeseburgers always, but I can't anymore now. <laughs> like, you know, now I have like one and I savor it. I get like the regular or sometimes like I'll just totally indulge. I'll get like, they do things now that they never did before. You get like a double Cali cheese with bacon. Um, I think one of them you can get pork roll on it or Taylor ham. And uh, <laughs> looking at it now, for, it's six dollars and ten cents an NJ burger with onions, pork roll, and a fried egg for six dollars. Um, traditional Stewart's, like the little ones, they used to have something called a scram burglar. That was the same thing. Uh, it didn't have pork roll, but it always had a scrambled egg on top, which is fantastic if you're a yolk guy or girl. White Rose, I have been there many times, especially back in my Rutgers days, and that that is one of the ultimate foods that you will enjoy it while you're eating it. You'll be giddy when you go. The next day in your life will be bad. And you will sit there. You will know, I deserved this. And you're going to take a dump and it's going to smell exactly like white rose. But <laughs> yeah. that's old TMI, but it's one of those experiences. Yeah, you want to talk about the system working. That's part of it. That's part of the system <laughs> is they, they get your system It keeps working. you regular. Sitting in a lecture hall, lightning. lecture hall in Scott Hall down in New Brunswick, 400 kids. And I'm like doing the duck walk out because I'm trying to hold the diary in because I had white rose. You're going to be doing the buckshot. <laughs> we did the buckshot run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I left the seat up. Now the Virgin Mary is on the back of the wall. Oh, my Lord. Now, how did that happen? Mike D, you put something. Just got my pants down. Oh. <laughs> Mike D, you put something on the list where you said I might be killed for listing this, but I'm with you. And I stand by your side. You did list Vegetarian White Castle. The Impossible Slider. The, and they also, <clears throat> they also make a veggie burger. Good. As well. I've as- never had the veggie burger. I like the Impossible Slider a lot. I though. feel like that to me is the ultimate New Jersey guilty pleasure because hmm. White Castle is a guilty pleasure, but to make it very New Jersey, I'm not even getting real White Castle. I'm getting the vegetarian version of White Castle, which I think is both right. a guilty pleasure, but also, what's the point? Why do I even do this? I mean, I do it because... Because uh, you have to go there, and even though you're eating that, you're smelling hamburgers and grease the whole time. Yes. And once any White Castle type of food enters close to your body in any way, shape, or form, it stays on you no matter where you go after You can't that. scrub it off. It's it's like, la- it's like <laughs> Lady Macbeth. You know, you're like scrubbing your hands <laughs> for a week, and you still can't get the White Castle smell off. It's, oh, my car. I put the burgers in my car. Oh, my God. Do you think there's a human being on Earth with strong enough willpower to make it home with a White Castle order and not eat any of it during the drive on the way back? No, no. That's actually impossible, right? And I think they do the packaging the way they do so that you drive off the road trying to get a fucking hamburger out with one hand in the bag. How many people do you think have died on the side of Route 22 with their finger caught in a piece of gra- a, a greasy cardboard Especially box? Especially on Route 22. Oh, that one. Yeah. The gre- a greasy yeah. cardboard box finger. Do you think that's a thing that like the cops in Springfield have a code for? Like we got a, we got a nine eight five, and that's code for some another asshole got his fingers caught in a White Castle box trying to eat. Isn't there when we were in high school? Didn't they show us um, 
when you're learning to drive one of those films and there was a whole entire two minute montage of just corpses with white castle boxes behind the steering wheel stuck to their hands <laughs> just two minutes of that like people who couldn't grip the wheel because they had a greasy white castle box stuck on their hand and couldn't get it off anybody here ever order any of the the non-burger and fry items off the white castle like i always look at it i go who's getting fish rings Who's seeing an item called fish rings and goes, yeah, I think that's what's going to hit the spot right now. Clam strips, right? They have chicken rings. Chicken rings are good. Chicken rings, right. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Chicken rings. No, they have, they have clam strips too. Oh yeah. Clam strips. I know they do have fish items. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just merged the two. That is bad. I've had cheese fries. Okay. White Castle. You can get bacon on them. You get whatever you want on them. Nothing wrong with that. I will say this is not a guilty uh, pleasure, but a guilty moment in my life is about a year and change ago, I was driving. I forget why I was out there, but I was driving through Booton. And, oh, I think I had Cal in the car and he wouldn't fall asleep. And so I threw him in the car. He was at that age. So I said, I'm throwing this kid in the car. I'm just driving around. So he takes a nap. And I drove past the Reservoir Tavern. Oh. <gasps> Ooh. And I ordered an entire pizza and ate it by myself. I ate an entire fucking Reservoir Tavern pizza by myself. That's a real what? piece of shit Jersey move. I mean, that was that is good what? pizza though. That, I mean, that's one of my favorite pizzas in the state is the Reservoir Tavern up in Boone. But I ate that whole fucking thing just driving around by myself. That's disgusting. Oh man, that's a, that's like an accomplishment. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, I felt both awful physically and then guilty of like, my son and my wife would have enjoyed some of this. What the fuck is wrong with me? Ah, but I think I was, sometimes just, it was just one of those stretches of being a father to a kid who is so new and you're in the trenches, you don't realize how much work it is. And I'm going, I want something for myself. And if I'm, what I'm going to have is an entire fucking pizza, like a monster, then so be it. Then so be it. If I'm so tired that I just randomly wound up in Booton unintentionally, Booton's a fine enough town, but I'm not looking to just... If you wind up in Booton and you didn't expect to be there, your day's not going great, you know? I used to work there. I know the feeling. I think the judgment of this, though, all comes down to what you did with the pizza box. Did you, like, stealthily throw it out the window so no one or saw it? You threw it away somewhere on the side of the road? I did the... Um, <laughs> I did the... When you get home run it into the garage and grab a garbage bag and get it in, into the garbage can before it ever enters the house. I did the, Oh yeah. I did the, let's hide this in the, hide this in the garb outside garbage can. It's not going to enter the house though. I want no questions about it. I did that. You did like a Sydney Bristow. You even got a garbage bag to hide it so that it couldn't be easily discovered. You got it, man. You got to cover your tracks when it comes to these things. Now this does bring up, of course, when it comes to eating, um, New Jersey diners, we all know there's a certain state of mind that you can wind up in a diner. For some people, maybe it involves some intoxication. For some people, maybe it means you've just had a real long night. But every once in a while, you wind up at a diner, and it's well past the witching hour. And you go, it's too late for me to be eaten like I'm about to eat. I know I'm about to put in the order of a fucking crazy person. <laughs> But I've had a bad fucking day and I'm in a New Jersey diner and we all know you don't even need to open the menu because you already know everything on it that you want. This is the guilty pleasure diner order. And this is something everyone listening who grew up in Jersey goes, yeah, I know. I know what my late night bad day 
right? And it doesn't even have to be late night. Sometimes it's also that. It's like you got in a fucking fight with somebody and, you know, or you're having a shitty day at work. You go, I'm going to the fucking diner and I'm going hard because they have everything. What are some of the things that come to mind for you guys? Oh, uh, yeah, cheese fries, man. Disco fries and gravy. Uh, cheeseburger. Onion rings. Uh, I'm going to actually eat the coleslaw and the pickle on the table. <laughs> I'm almost too ashamed to admit the, the romantic association of be able to still being able to smoke cigarettes and drink coffee in a diner. Mm-hmm. Also very cathartic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike D, you were about to admit to something you're ashamed of. I have to follow up on this. My really shameful late night diner order is I'll order a Swiss cheese omelet and then I'll say to the waitress, but here's what I want you to do. I also want an order. <laughs> I also want an order of fries, but I want you to make the order of fries first then just have the cook chop them into thirds and throw them into the omelet. So when he makes the omelet, I have my fries inside the omelet. I'm telling yeah, you, man, awesome. that is spot on. That's, that's the thing stuff. you've done? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit it. Oh, they'll do it. A diner will do oh, anything you want, yeah. basically. They'll do right? anything you want. Yeah. I've never had them say no. And you can always substitute French fries. Yeah. If it's a good diner, you can always substitute French fries. I always get French fries with my breakfast because I'm picky about my fucking home fries. How many diners? I bet most diners in the state, if you walked in, never opened the menu, and just ordered scrod, they'd have it. I bet they'd have scrod. It'd be a special. Probably it's on the specials list, though. It'd be the, the special would be stuffed scrod. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you a real order that I routinely used to put in on nights when I was just horrifically depressed uh, and would wind up at the diner, usually at the Versailles Diner out on Route 46 because my parents lived in Fairfield for a long time. This was like post-college when I was still living with them and I'd often just be coming home from work being like, fuck it, I hate my life, I hate myself. Or like driving back from the city after I did some terrible show and bombed and being like, why did I even bother having a fucking dream? Why do I bother having dreams? I'm so bad at this. I'm going to fucking drive back to my parents' house. No, I'm not. I'm going to stop at the Versailles Diner first. And here's a real order that I would put in. And I would put all this down by myself. And this was obviously before I stopped eating meat. Happy Waitress, which if you're not familiar, open-faced grilled cheese sandwich with bacon. Uh, Side of fries with mozzarella and gravy. Disco fries. Um, Right there is probably enough. Nope. Let's also have a vanilla Coke. Uh, of course, the traditional response, we don't have vanilla Cokes, but I can put the syrup in the cup for you. I go, yes, please put the vanilla syrup in and make me the vanilla Coke. And then, to really just show you that this was driven by self-hate, let's just go ahead and after we eat every single fry, every bite of that goddamn open-faced grilled cheese and bacon, suck down like fucking sugar water, just pure corn syrup. Yeah, throw me some rice pudding too. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Do I want whipped cream? You know I do Doris or Phyllis or whichever one your name definitely is. Because I know it's one of those two. Because this is fucking Route 46 in the middle of the night. Rice pudding, though. Rice pudding is a Greek diner, like, fucking... Staple. No, I know. Places are, like, famous for their rice pudding. It's it's just gross. It's, oh, my... I don't like it. I only liked one kind, and it was like my grandmother's recipe. You put the rice pudding in front of me. I'll eat it. The whipped cream. Raisins or no raisins. I like the rice pudding. What's wrong with the rice pudding? It's a a texture thing for me. 
I guess that's my guilty pleasure then. But I'm talking about being like... Tw- I think it tastes good. 23 yeah. years old. And we're also talking about a day where I may have eaten Jimmy Buss for lunch that afternoon while working at Weird <laughs> oh. New Jersey. And then I'm eating that shit. I wanted to die. In my most... For the first half of my 20s, I would have preferred uh, to have been dead. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not. I think we were just all shocked we made it through there. And we're like, oh no, what do we do now? Kind of like leaving Las Vegas, <laughs> except every day you eat Jimmy Buffs for three meals a day. You would die in a month. Yeah, that would be If the- you ate Jimmy Buffs for three meals a day, you know, they cat- you know they catered events now, Nick. I saw that on Instagram and I was like, man, that looked go- like that's so cool because the sun comes and he does it right there for yeah, you. Yeah, Tommy, great kid, great guy. And they got a whole set up and it looked like, oh, it looked awesome. I think we got to throw ourselves a little. You event. better have a couple of Porta Johns at your house. That people day, on the Patreon maybe did not hear our deep dive episode where we focused on Bethlehem, New Jersey. Great episode, full of all the action-packed mayhem you expect from you've heard from Hunterdon County's Bethlehem, New Jersey. But what we did realize is that very nearby there is a Bonaduce Winery in New Jersey. I say we rent the Bonaduce Winery. We have a wine tasting. We get Jimmy Buffs to come cater that shit. The ultimate Bonaduce event. It's going to be a cert- it's going to be a special celebration. Can't wait, <laughs> can't wait. When life events line up, it's happening. Let's keep it going. Uh, let's talk about some of the places. For example, Mike D, you the first one you listed as a as a guilty attraction. I totally understand why. Everybody in New Jersey these days. Every parent I know has a family pla- pass to the Turtleback Zoo. Oh, my God. And it's a great zoo, but the three of us know that the history of that place is one that we are supporting an institution here that historically, for most of its existence, was sad and concerning. I assume that's why it's on the list, Mike D. I always felt <clears throat> guilty going to the Turtleback Zoo because even as a very young child, as much as I love animals and love zoos, I would go there and just feel a deep melancholy settle over me because when you looked into the eyes of the animals, they were very sad, sad enough that yeah. a child could tell that they were sad. Yeah, it was it was pretty remarkable. The train ride was always awesome and it still is. Oh yeah, that was the highlight. The animals are a lot better now, but but North Jersey residents who have been going to that zoo for decades, it's hard to shake the ghosts of the past. When I walk in there still to this day, I don't walk into the modern Turtleback Zoo. I immediately go back in time and I'm like, and I'm like probably five or six years old going to either my birthday party or one of my friends because it's like a rite of passage that you had to have a birthday party at some point at Turtleback Zoo. At my birthday party, the neighborhood ninja was actually on a roof at the age of five or six, scaling across the shingles of that weird slanted roof where they'd have the party room. It had to be like told, get back in the window, God damn it!" Like we yelled at by a parent like on the ground. And also the good blue keys they used to get and jam into like a metal yes. box and turn every time you went to the thing. We have ta- I think we've talked about the infamous elephant-shaped blue key you used to buy at the yeah. Zoo. And there were metal boxes and you'd like walk yeah. up to the seals. The seals was kind of the centerpiece of the zoo back then. Yeah. That, that, the seal show. Uh, for some reason they had the seal show right. That was right when you first walked in. It was like in. in the center. But you'd put that elephant key in the box and you'd turn it and it was supposed to be like seals are found in the Arctic Circle and these other parts of the world. <laughs> and instead what it and was, West every Orange. box was this. <laughs> Just every single one was all jacked up, man. You got some sad seals staring at you while some uh, 
feedback blasts at your head. If you go to the popcorn park zoo, I know that's for like kind of distressed animals or whatever, but I always knew growing up going to Turtleback, it was like the same thing. It was like where kind of like abandoned circus and sideshow like traveling carnies like abandoned their animals and they wound up at like the Turtleback Zoo. You know what I mean? Like that's that was always my impression of that zoo. And even when they were redoing it, there's one area where they had the horses. I was there, let's see, this is a while ago, but they had redone it at that point. They had old horses there biting each other. The one horse, these two horses had to be separated, and somehow they got in the same like thing together. And there's all these kids around, and they're like, going, "Oh, look at the little horsey!" And then the horse rears its head and bites the other horse right in the butt. They go like this terrible like horse fight going on, and the one horse like goes like kind of buck wild and the person has to like run out there and like try and kind of people are like the kids are screaming they like and this this horse is just crazy but that was in the recent past and maybe they phased out the last of the old injured animals or something but i don't know now mike you also listed another great one uh all west orange residents have to face some culpability north jersey i mean between the glenmont estate in llewellyn park between the edison um National Historic Park in West Orange. Also, all the Menlo Park stuff, you know, including that big giant light bulb. A lot of Thomas Edison worship in this state. Pretty, we really have to put the blinders on to what seems to be a pretty bad guy to pull that off. I, I was thinking specifically of the giant light bulb as a guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. Um, How so? How so? <laughs> you're, you're driving through that part of Edison... Which is, you know, just a sort of normal street that leads you to the parkway. And as you're driving out of a slightly wooded area appears a 150 foot tall, <laughs> very poorly constructed giant light bulb as a memorial to Thomas Edison. And if you drive up to this, they have speakers outside of it, which are blasting very poorly recorded Edison phonograph music. And I just love this thing. I think it's amazing that they built this terrible light bulb in the middle of like a pretty nice <laughs> residential town. And every Every time I drive past it, which is pretty often, um, I get excited and I love seeing it. And I know there's a lot of guilt there because, right, yeah, I, you know, not only is it an ugly monument, but yeah, Thomas Edison has got some some skeletons in his closet, no question. I mean, he was like a animal executioner, among other things. Yeah, he uh, notoriously, um, there's a lot of accusations that a lot of his inventions were you know, he was funding their development and then taking the credit from the individuals whose names should be attached. And then there's uh are you guys are you guys Columbusing uh, Edison now? Well, I mean Columbusing. <laughs> I've never heard Columbusing used as a verb, but I mean I don't think we're the ones inventing this dialogue. Nick. I mean there's there's footage because so for anybody who doesn't know, it's actually super super fascinating. Edison and Westinghouse were in this battle to see whose electric systems was going to be the ones that was engraced and became basically our power grid. So I think they all knew, like, this is whoever whoever locks us in. And Edison went on this campaign to claim that Westinghouse's system uh, was more dangerous. I think Westinghouse had AC, right? And Edison was pushing yeah. direct current. Right. Yeah, he was DC. Yeah, he was battery guy. And uh, Thomas Edison helped develop the electric chair and this is true, tried to get the name of being executed in an electric chair to be referred to as being Westinghoused. 
he tried to get his uh, his opponent's name, his competitor's name, to be the common nomenclature for being killed in an electric device. Uh, there's infamous footage of him killing an elephant. Topsy the elephant was a Coney Island elephant that uh, he executed. They filmed it. It's really sad. And then there's rumors that... Um, I've always heard stories that in, in the neighborhoods surrounding his factories, which is my old neighborhood, like that is where I, I grew up and where my family's roots are, that people's pets would constantly disappear because he would apparently pay local kids, like, hey, go find me a stray cat. I'll give you 25 cents. And they didn't care if the cats were stray. They were just like kidnapping family pets. And he was like doing experiments on them to execute them, to work out the electric chair because he was trying to uh, snake Westinghouse on this. The guy was a maniac. But we send every class trip there. And that's why it's a guilty pleasure because we enjoy seeing that 150 foot tall light bulb tower when we're getting onto the parkway. Now, Mike, you listed a place I've always wanted, a couple of places that I'm very fascinated to see why these are guilty pleasures. One place I've always wanted to go that I have not gone now that Cal is around, I will have an excuse. Northlands, the model train wonderland. I've never been. Why is this a guilty pleasure? Oh, no. oh you've never been there? No, never been to Northlands. Where is it? It's like oh. up in the Flemington's area, right? Yeah. Oh, it's out that Some, way? It's like out that way, yeah. Um, look it up. So Northlands is... I believe it is the largest model train set up on the planet. I think they claim this, and, and, and I'm not, I obviously can't confirm it, but I think it's. It's in the Guinness Book. Is it? It's so you, you go to this place, and it's a, you know, fairly normal looking warehouse building, and you go in and you pay your money. <clears throat> to the guy at the at the front desk, the person at the front desk, and you go through and you start to walk through these enormous train dioramas. And I mean, these things are multi-level. They have dozens, hundreds of tracks running everywhere. But what makes it a guilty pleasure is as you are going through this museum, this diorama, and it's massive. I mean, it takes a long, long time to walk through here. People are following you around and they actually are operating the trains from like hidden places. And if you look wow, around, sad. It's, it's really sad. That's what made me feel guilty is like <clears throat> you're walking through this and as you're going through, you have these people who are going from like switch to switch operating these model trains all day. And as you walk through, nobody really cares. After 25 minutes, kids get bored and they just zip through the rest of it. And clearly some person or people have spent and i can't even like express the scale of this place to you someone has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and hours building this thing and goes around operating it so you can enjoy it and no one cares it's it's the most guilty thing to go there and the people stalk you from room to room it's very very strange uh, and absolutely probably, worth like, that's visit. probably like their thing you know what i mean they probably like I have to go enjoy seeing people react only open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. I have to go. My son will love this so much, and it sounds so bad. They also they sell both uh, one-day tickets, memberships, and annual passes. And on their frequently asked questions, it does say membership versus annula pass. They, they do misspell the word annual on their own website. And I'm not trying to be some sort of grammar Nazi here, but to, the word annula is jumping out, and it makes me laugh very hard. You're going to want to fix that. Whoever runs Northlands with a Z dot com, you're going to want to fix that. I wonder if it's like a group of people, like um, like a train hobbyist group. I think something. it started with one guy. I'm sure. It must be run by a group of people now because this is not, you know, 
one person in their basement with a lot of Lionel trains. I mean, this thing is a serious setup. I was just going to say, I'm looking on their frequently asked questions, and unfortunately, uh, one of them is not who did this and why does it exist. That's not one of them. Hmm. Poking around to see. Weird. I went to a previous one. I used to drive on 81 all the time through Pennsylvania, and my friend was having a a bathroom attack, and uh, we pulled off, and the only place at this exit was the world's biggest little village. And it was one of these train places and you go in there and they wouldn't let us use the bathroom unless we both paid $5. So we paid the $5. My buddy runs into the bathroom. I'm like, well, I paid the five bucks. And we walked through this like weird place. And it was the same thing. You walk through these doors. It's like a large building on the outside and you walk in, you're like, Oh my God. Um, but this one had like the history of like this crazy guy who like, basically put all his money into like his one passion and like hope that this like model village would bring people there from like all over the, like the world. It was really just people like who either ran out of gas on 81 and had to like pull over there. <clears throat> this is a slight tangent cause it's not New Jersey, but when I used to work in lower Manhattan for a long, long time down by wall street, I became friends with a guy that everybody used to call Joe Ropes. And Joe Ropes was a chandler, which is a rope maker. And he was basically like a third generation rope maker. And his father and grandfather used to make ropes for the ships when the South Street Seaport was actually a seaport. But by the time Joe, I knew Joe Ropes, you know, he was in his 70s and he was a chandler, but he made the ropes for Broadway. And so I used to hang out with him because I was always down there. And he was a nice guy. He had a million interesting stories. like, He's like, I'm going to take you to see some. He's like, you ever been to see a, a flea circus? I'm like, what? <laughs> like a flea circus? That's not a real thing. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I know the guy who's got the last flea circus in Manhattan. And so he brings me to this apartment building that was down on like like Pearl Street, somewhere in lower Manhattan. And we go in, he rings the buzzer, and we go up, and they know each other, and we pay like $3 or something. And he brings us into like this back bedroom, and he has an actual flea circus, and he has like a flashlight, and the fleas are all like jumping around on these little circus things. It was wild. So, I mean, I guess some of that stuff still survived wow. until not that long ago. That's crazy. That's fantastic, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I met a lot of interesting characters working down there. Uh, Joe, Joe Ropes, good man. <laughs> Mike, I got to ask, um, you have listed the Red Bulls, New Jersey's soccer team, as a guilty pleasure. Why is that a guilty pleasure? <sighs> I mean... It's soccer. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I... I've been to a lot of Red Bulls games. I'm all for it. I think the stadium is beautiful, but it is third-rate sport. They're not very good at soccer compared to when you see soccer in the UK and Europe. The quality of play is very low. It's not quite as if we were playing soccer, but you know, it's you know, that's why it's a guilty pleasure. I love them. I think they're great athletes and I'm all for them. I'm a fan, a supporter. But I just think it's a guilty pleasure because really we're kind of fooling ourselves into thinking that this is like amazing soccer and it's not. Do those guys have regular jobs? You think they can no, just do they're that professionals. Like a season game? And, and a lot of them are former players who played in, in Europe and other places. Like this is like a, you know, like their swan song. They come make a bunch of American money for a few years and then retire. Crazy. We are uh, officially past the one hour mark of recording. This means we're going to start looking to wrap it up. I have to say it's been really great to learn about these places. I cannot wait to take Cal to Northlands. He's going to marvel at the trains. I'm going to feel bad at the person who has to run around flicking all the switches as I enter room to room. 
Mike D, the last thing you put on the outline, and there's a few more things that we should have covered, and I'm, I'm sure we will hit them under other episode topics, but there's a lot of good ones. The last thing you put made me laugh so hard because it's so true. A true New Jersey guilty pleasure that a lot of people have to cop to relates to one of New Jersey's greatest native sons who I don't think we've spent much time talking about. Do you want to explain this this ultimate New Jersey guilty pleasure? I think the ultimate New Jersey guilty pleasure is being a fan of Glenn Danzig and not the Misfits. So let me just be clear. I'll put these into two distinct categories. <laughs> Love the Misfits. Everything about the Misfits are amazing. We don't need to belabor that. But being a fan of Danzig and his side projects, including you know the self-titled Danzig and Sawain, and I believe he also had a band called Chris the Conqueror at one point. Being a fan of those things is a guilty pleasure because none of them are very good. And you just watch them and you do them because you know Glenn Danzig is going to do something embarrassing and entertaining. So I think he's the ultimate New Jersey guilty pleasure. Do you hmm. count yourself amongst the number of people who quietly like some of Glenn Danzig's non-Misfits output? I have seen Danzig in concert and more than once, and they were all very good shows that I enjoyed a lot. Although I would never say... You're never. I'm not going to go down to my living room and put on a Glenn Danzig record, but I don't think those are bad records. But I just, they're compared to the Misfits, right? It's just hard to to like them very much. <laughs> I was at Bonnaroo. I've done yeah Bonnaroo twice. One of the years I was there, Danzig was playing a solo set. I saw that. I said, "Fuck yes!" It was. I think it was the same year that I saw the Beach Boys play, and that which was so concerning. Because it, it legitimately, like, the Beach Boys was fucked up because it was like each Beach Boy may as well have just had like a handler propping them up so they could stand up straight. That was the also the non Brian Beach Boys that you saw. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then right. you and I went and saw we've, Brian Wilson. We've seen Brian yeah, we Wilson, yes. And that was, um, that was very good. But again, similar. They kind of put him at a piano and they had another piano player visibly on stage who was really playing the piano yes. and just let Brian Wilson like jam around on the keys as best as possible. That was also, I think, the first night, like I had, that's when my career had really turned a corner where I was like, you realized, you realized the weird hell of my life there for a while, which is like not famous enough that like still taking the NJ transit train from Red Bank back to the city when we both lived there. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like rich. Like I made a bunch of money, but not rich enough that like I'm taking the train just like every other person going back from the Count Basie that night, but famous enough that drunk assholes will harass me to the point where you started to get very protective of me. Um, because they, one guy in particular would not leave me alone. Do you remember that? Well, I mean, it got to the point where, at first, people were coming over like, oh, hey, you know, I like, love your comedy. I love your show. And you're like, oh, thanks, man. This is great. And it's like, okay. And then at this point, right, it's one in the morning. We're riding the train back. And some people just like wouldn't let it go. They wanted to have like a, a therapy session. And I'm like, whoa, all right, man, enough. <laughs> like, this yeah. Is, you know, like, like people literally coming up to me being like, hi, I've never told anyone this before. And it's always very flattering, but I'm also like, and I'm, I, we are pulling out a Rahway and I'm counting the stops because I don't, I'm not mad. Like, here's this, here's this phone number. I want you to call yeah. on this other show I do. Yes. Here is a voicemail line. You can pitch it to Beautiful Anonymous. Um, and I want to be clear. I am 
grateful to have the career I have and to have affected people in any way. But man, can it sometimes be scary for me. A, so- a socially uncomfortable gen- gentleman historically to be cornered on a train that's just pulling out of Metro Park. And we all know there ain't no place for me to pretend I have to go. We're on a train. And it's great. The one barrier between <laughs> you and that is an even more socially averse person, me. <laughs> right. Right. But at least I have you there, my old friend, who'll be like, do you need me to like, do you need me to like, uh, if that dude comes back, should I like throw him to the floor or something? Like, no, it's okay. It happens. Should I grab a car antenna or not? <laughs> like I've always got at least one. Exactly. Should the Jersey City come out? But I got sidetracked there. I saw Danzig, man. The show was good. Like that band can play. But he said he did some crowd work that night that still, I think, is the craziest thing I've ever seen a performer say to an assembled group of people, man. This motherfucker, he's like, he kept his whole tone and tenor in between songs was like this. All of his banter in between songs was like this. Everything was super intense, super serious. And then after one song, he goes, man, we're really tearing this one up. That song kicked ass. This next song is going to be even better. Fellas, you're going to love this song so much, you're going to grab your dicks. That's how much this song is about to rock. You're all going to grab your dicks. And ladies, you don't have dicks, so I guess you'll just have to pop your pussies. And then he launched into a song. It was the fucking wildest thing I've ever seen a performer say to a crowd. And I have no idea if he thought that was cool or interesting or effective in some way. But goddamn, was it fucking weird. I wonder what it's like to hang out with him. Oh, my God. Insufferable, right? Well, there was a kid that we went to high school with um, who I believe has sadly passed away who was good friends with him. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was from... He was good friends with your brother, too. Not Glenn Dancing, this kid. Um, (laughs) I was about to say. That wouldn't surprise me. And wait, is my brother dead? Like, I thought that was gonna... Oh, wait, sorry. I forgot to tell you. (laughs) Oh, you didn't... Wait... I saw it on the Facebook. And and he said that, that Glenn Danzig basically had no... Like, Glenn Danzig on stage was Glenn Danzig, his friend. That there was no no <laughs> separation awesome. between, between the two. It's better that way. It's better to know it's not a shtick. That's awesome. It makes it better. Oh, yeah. It makes it more okay to have that soft spot for it. Which, as you say... Like, I'm not endorsing a man getting on stage and telling women to pop their pussies. I'm not saying I like I, that. I think that's cool. I will say there, it's the name of the episode is Guilty Pleasure because you sit there and you go, the fuck is wrong with Danzig? But I can't look away. And that's where the pleasure comes and, in. And I would pay money tomorrow to go see Glenn Danzig play a show again. <laughs> like, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that I would enjoy every minute of that show. Just don't ask him. I to heard f- Glenn Danzig's going to be down on the Asbury Card bo- uh, Cardboard uh, Boardwalk. I said sometime in the fall. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. <laughs> Soon. Live performance. Dress, dress you up as Glenn Danzig, make you sing that song nine times in a row. And my my biggest guilty pleasure, I finally realized after this, at the end of the show, is living in Seaside Heights. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So let's start to it because you're a father. We're all in our forties here. Seaside Heights is a party town, Nick. You're not supposed to like this. The loud it's, noises. I, I'm like I'm treating I'm treating my time here, like I said in the past, as a sociological experiment, and uh, I'm here, like observing, and also blending in, and learning to you know assimilate in some ways to keep my cover. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great place, and it's um it's 
you know what? It's so New Jersey. Uh, you can just come here, be whoever you want to be, dress however you want to dress, and nobody's going to judge you. Well, they might. They might curse at you or whatever, but it's um, it's just so strange. It's but it's when great. you live in Seaside Heights, because I've been to Seaside Heights many times, but I've only been for the Seaside Heights things. I have no idea like how big the town is. Like, are there people parking on residential blocks? Does it drive people nuts? Like, are there fights and vomit and stuff? Or, or do- no, that's like closer. Like, I'm I'm literally on the bay side, and I'm in like this really nice little like kind of cove over here, and it's uh, it's like you're just far enough from everything that the drunks don't make it out here or the drunks that are here are the ones that like live here kind of thing. And there's like a little bit older attitude, but there is, it's so funny. Like as I'm riding, like I ride my bike at night a lot, um, in the summertime, like later, later in the night, just because I like to watch the sprawl happen and the police activity. And, you know, I put my flashing light on my head so I don't get run over or at least somebody sees me before they run me over. And, uh, I ride around and you see, it's like, as you get close to the boardwalk, you see this like, mob like a zombie mob at like two thirty three in the morning like all different kinds of crazy you almost feel like in some places you're walking through i feel like i'm walking through morgantown at like three o'clock in the morning and it's like raging parties and people puking on the street and laughing and then the next block would be like two goombas fighting over like a parking spot and then the police are like wrestling somebody to the ground the next block is like a bunch of girls like pulling each other's hair out and like screaming and having like cat fights it's like very entertaining it's just very i i that's my guilty pleasure is just being an observer like my well the other guilty pleasure is giant buying a 16 ounce of uh Polish water ice, so I've turned my back on Italian Italian ice currently. Wow. This is huge. And I don't know what it is. This is really What's weird. the difference? I think it's ex- I think Polish water ice is smoother. I think that's what's going on with it. So you're and I've been up to Strollos up in Point Pleasant. It's great. It's Italian ice, like homemade, whatever. It's like you know, it comes out of machines, but it's homemade, whatever. Um but Polish water ice is like its own thing. And like, I don't know what it is. I can't help myself. I eat it till I get sick every time I go up there. So, so every once in a while, it's if like you're like, uh, it's the end of a long night and you can't sleep, you jump on the bike, grab a yeah. water ice and just go watch Guido's fight. I go up there all the time. I go up there and I just get a water ice and I walk up and down the boardwalk and I just watch people. And I'm just like, this is fantastic. I'll go up. I go up the boardwalk one way because you can't ride your bike on the boardwalk now. So I park my bike, chain it up. And then I stroll all the way up eating the 16-ounce Polish water ice, which I get like, you can get three or four flavors in there. And then I finish that. I go stare at the giant Ferris wheel and its colors going crazy and people screaming, coming on the, the thing, whatever. And then I pick up either fries or a slice of pizza for the walk back. And I usually have like two bites of either and then like throw them in the garbage cans because I'm disgusted with myself and then get back on my bike and smoke a joint and ride through the crowds. <laughs> I feel like we have to end on that imagery. What's better than the image of Bonaduce tossing fries in the garbage as he shakes his head in disgust at the fact that he enjoys a 2.15 a.m. glimpse into Seaside Heights' dark underbelly? There's nothing better than that. I won't, I won't divulge into the off-season at 2.15 in the morning. Oh, I can't imagine. That's another episode for another day, my friends. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Too much horror business. <laughs>